I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working on the cover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink, the guys come in, I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her a hundred dollars. If you're with the mob, I say, hey Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. The lies we tell ourselves. We do it. You do it. I do it. Big lies. Lies about other people. 
lies about the person we see in the mirror. Oh, I can't believe they, did you hear? They busted a child predator in the next town over. I'm glad those kind of people weren't around here. Look how nice our neighborhood is. Ooh, do you see that? They're repainting the house. When's the last time you put in your zip code on your state's child sex offender registry? Feel free to go do that right now. Yeah, it's it's not just the next town over. Oh, that car coming behind me on the highway. We're both doing 80. He's a little close, but it's no big deal. Sure, he's paying attention and not texting. No, he's texting. The lies we tell ourselves. Man, just got back from the neighbor's house. I'm telling you what. I think that guy has a drug problem. Real, real substance abuse problem. Anyway, on to my second bottle of wine. Next week, I'm going to work out. I do it too. I'm not judging you. Trust me, I'm not. And maybe one of the biggest ones I hear all the time. Ha! I don't care about these leftists passing their stupid gun-grabbing laws. The cops would never enforce it. The military would never stand for that. <laughs> what, are they going to order the military in to enforce these laws? These guys would never do it. They're patriots. July 13th, 1942, 500 men load up on ammunition and they head out to a village in Poland. Now I know what you're thinking, Jesse, this is a story about Nazis. This is a story about evil Nazis. No, it's, it's a story about Jews being murdered. Don't get me wrong. This is not a story about Nazis. You see, in full disclosure, this is a little darker than usual today. Told you last week I agonized about even telling this, but I saw a headline, actually two headlines this weekend, and I decided the story needs to be told. You see, these 500 men, they were... In Reserve Police Battalion 101, they were German, obviously. But you need to understand something about Reserve Police Battalion 101 before I go on and tell you their tale, and you need to pay really close attention here. Yes, they were part of the German military complex, but you need to understand German's military complex was... Complex. (laughs) There were a bunch of different facets to it, and there were a bunch of different groups that had nothing to do with really Nazism or anti-Semitism. A bunch of them. Shoot, a bunch of their most capable generals were guys who had served in World War I and such. They weren't these card-carrying Nazis. Hitler can do his Nazi thing. That's fine, but I'm, I'm here to fight. These men in Reserve Police Battalion 101 were not frontline shock troops. 
they were really what it sounds like, a police battalion, a reserve police battalion, meaning they weren't even some full-time unit. These were people, well, think about your neighbors. They were middle class, upper 30s, family men. These were not tried and true Nazis. These were not trained SS guys who went through hours of propaganda learning about the evil Jew. They were just a reserve police battalion. Their job was to go to territory that had already been conquered, had long been pacified, and, you know, do things that cops do. The Nazis basically had a provisional government set up, and part of that provisional government means you need cops, right? You need law enforcement. No leading, no looting, no rioting, no burning, no murdering, that kind of thing. They load up these 500 men. They had never done anything like this before. And they drive them out to a little village called Josephau. This little village was full of Jews. Jews in occupied Poland. The commander of this unit, he was a man named Trapp, The commander of this unit stood up in front of them because they had loaded up extra ammunition, stood up in front of them and told them flat out, I don't want to do what we've been ordered to do today. I think this is awful. This is not, it's not stuff we should be doing. This is ugly stuff. But direct quote, orders are orders. And then he told them what they were going to be doing. They were split up into two different companies. One company would go into town. They would separate out the men from everybody else. And the men would be marched off. They were going to go to a work camp. You see, lots of the Jewish men, before they were killed, were worked to death. The Jews were slave labor, big time, in World War II, big time. And the old, the women, and the children were all to be executed that day. Now, he stood up in front of his 500 men, and he told them exactly what they were going to do. This was not some surprise. Granted, they'd never done it before. Again, these were not tried and true Nazis, and they were horrified. He flat out, he was so horrified by it, he told them, anyone who wants out, anyone who doesn't think they can do this, anyone who doesn't want to do this today, Step up now. And remember, we all have consciences, right? It's easy to think about these guys as being demons, but they're just people. Do you know how many of the 500 men stepped up in that moment and bowed out? Twelve. The rest of them locked and loaded. They went into town that day. They separated out the men. They then dragged the women and children and old people, loaded them up onto trucks, drove them out into the forest, and began to execute them. By all accounts, this was a major struggle for most of them. They were horrified by what they were doing, but they did it. Women, children, execution, point, Blank range, 
lay face down on the ground. They would put a rifle at the base of their base of their neck and fire. They were so distraught by what they were doing, several men would beg to be reassigned so they could go guard the road or something. Other men would wander off into the woods and act like they got lost and hide there. There are stories about some of them hiding in the woods and calling out to other people to make sure they were alone so no one would come get them and drag them back. Nevertheless, dead. 17 hours of murder that day. 17 hours. Left them laying on the forest floor, and they got back to their barracks, and they were distraught, to say the least. Got hammered that night. But they weren't done. The Jesse Kelly Show. The men of Reserve Police Battalion 101 struggled that night. They had killed 1,500 women and children and old people that day. The men, apparently as they marched off, began to hear the rifle fire, and many just collapsed in devastation knowing what was happening to their wives and children, as you can imagine. And so the men of Reserve Police Battalion 101, distraught with what they've been told to do, went home, got drunk that night, had nightmares. We, we can't do that again. Except they did the next month. Hauled them out to a place called Lamazi, and this one got even worse, if you can believe it. They got the men really drunk before they started doing the shooting this time. They brought in some what were called Hiwis to do, quote, most of the killing. The Hiwis, just as a quick side note, again, not card-carrying Nazis. They were people from occupied German territories like Latvia, Romania, so on, so Belarus, and so on and so forth. And they essentially just asked for volunteers, oftentimes from prisoner of war camps. Hey, anybody want to get out of this prisoner of war camp and put in some work for us? These were the people who enthusiastically volunteered, and they used these guys to execute Jews and other people all over Poland. They bring them in. They have 1,700 Jews this time go dig their own graves in the forest, and they start shooting them. Only this time... The men of Reserve Police Battalion 101, they weren't in love with it still, but just starting to grow on them a little. Actually decided to start beating some of the Jews. Decided to start helping out and doing some of the shooting. And before you know it, They were exterminating people. And before you know it, the men of police 
Battalion 101, Reserve Battalion, they were one of the main units assigned to deport Jews to Treblinka and other death camps, some of the worst Holocaust death camps out there. And when I say in charge of deporting, I don't mean they kicked in the door and rounded up five people. I mean, they would go down to the various ghettos. Remember, the ghettos are not like you like to think of ghettos. They would take the Jews because they had decided they were less than human. They would force them into one crappy part of town where disease and starvation and everything else was prevalent because clearly these parts of town were not well supplied, not well thought of. At some point, they decided we need to move this thing along a little bit faster, and they had to go into these ghettos and round up the Jews and get them out. Well, who do you think they went and got for that? You see, you and I like to imagine, again, there's some evil demon Nazi SS guy. No? It was the men of Reserve Police Battalion 101 loading Jews up by the thousands so they could be hauled off to death camps to get gassed. And lest you think to yourself, well, I mean, they maybe didn't know. What, oh, they knew. They knew exactly where they were going. They knew why they were going there. We know this from testimony after the fact. Thousands and thousands. October of 42, October of 42, October and November of 42, this ghetto, that ghetto, this ghetto, that ghetto. Finally, November 1943, during a, well, they called it a harvest. They took two days, the men of Reserve Police Battalion 101, these middle class, not car carrying Nazis, just a police unit. Over the course of two days, they executed 43,000 Jews personally by hand. Turned into demons. Here's the reality of it. And this does me no pleasure to say. But here's the reality of it. You like to think, and I like to think, when we think back on these horrible, horrible atrocities that have taken place throughout history, obviously not just Nazi Germany, but throughout history, we like to lie to ourselves that they were different than we are. That they were different than the men who watch over us today. They were, they, well, they, it was Germany. These guys were p- demonic, Satan-possessed. I mean, they were frothing at the mouth, Jew-hated. No, most of them were just normal people. The truth is this. People, when given authority, then given responsibilities, then given orders, especially when given orders in front of their comrades... People will follow those orders. Almost all of them will. And if you look around you in society today, all the people you admire and the people I admire and the people who keep us safe, they're built the exact same way as the men of Reserve Police Battalion 101 in Germany. 
I know that's offensive, but it's also true. They're built the exact same way. You see, you can tell yourself all the lies you want about how we're different and not here and this is different. The truth of the matter is this. The people with the weapons and authority over you will 100%, well, if not 100, 90, 95, they'll follow whatever orders they are given. Whatever orders they are given will be followed and followed to the letter. I'm about to tell you a couple brand new examples of, well, the people you think are different. But just know this as a quick wrap-up to our dark story today. I just thought it was a story that needed to be told. 500 men in Reserve Police Battalion 101. Do you know how many were executed for their crimes? Two. Many didn't even get trials until 1968. Few guys got eight years in prison. One got six years in prison. One got five years in prison. A few were found guilty and didn't get any prison time. The rest of them, they went on and lived normal lives. Responsible for the death of over 80,000 Jews. Never saw trial. Never got charges pressed against them. They lived out the remainder of their days in the German countryside as accountants, construction workers, lawyers, cops, businessmen. They came from being normal people. When they were done, quote, following orders, they went right back to being normal people. Safeguard your liberty with all your might. Because another lie we tell ourselves is there's someone out there who will safeguard it for us. There's, there's, this, there's this line of people, of men who will fight for me. No, there aren't. There's a line of men who will happily take it from you. Safeguard your own. There's nobody coming to save you. And you know what I've seen? And I'll be honest, while I consider myself the resident cynic, I've been disappointed. Not just by law enforcement, I'll get to that in a second. By people on the right. By people I know personally. By people I trust. By people, I mean... By people I thought really believed in freedom, in sober sanity, in logic. Do you know how many people on our own side, yours and mine, that sold you and I down the river 
like that when a virus broke out? They sold your liberty down the river? Told you to shut up and go sit inside? They sold your livelihood down the river? Without a second thought? That's what... That's the part that has shocked me. And I didn't think at this point in time, as as horrendously soulless as I am, I didn't think I could be shocked. But watching the right, the majority of the right, lay down. That's been something, man. Two headlines. Quote, this is from WXYZ.com. FBI conducting a raid at Allure Medical Spa in Shelby Township. No, they weren't dealing heroin out of there. This is from the article. It's located on 26 Mile Road in Van Dyke in Shelby Township. The FBI confirms the raid is in connection to a questionable treatment for coronavirus that was being offered at the center. The FBI said it is a task force operation with the Department of Health and Human Services and the FBI. Let me just let me just say that sentence one more time so you get it. The FBI said it is a task force operation with the Department of Health and Human Services and the FBI. The Department of Health and Human Services is now raiding people. Agents participating in the raid were wearing special protection because of the possible risk. Basically, this well, this is from the article. Allure has recently promoted that it is treating COVID-19 patients who aren't hospitalized using intervenous, inter, how do you say that word, Chris? Intervenous? Is that right? Whatever. The IVs. Vitamin C therapy with great results. Essentially, this is one of those medical spas doing the injection things. I'm sure you've probably seen them. They hook you up to an IV. This one was giving people vitamin C. What does vitamin C do? I only have three years of community college. Well, a little less than three years. But what does vitamin C do? It helps your immune system. Does it cure COVID-19? I'm sure it doesn't. I don't know. I'm not an expert. Would it be beneficial if you were going to get a a virus to strengthen your immune system? Uh, Yeah, probably. How many times have I told you about Omega XL? That was one headline. Here's the second. I wish I was making up this headline. And I wish when I got into the story that it got better as you went along. As first I saw this headline and I thought to myself, oh, God. Okay, that has to be one of those things where they're they're throwing out a clickbait headline and I'm going to read and there's going to be a lot more to it than this. Uh, there's not. Headline, this is from theblaze.com. Women arrested by undercover police for operating home salon. And I actually had the same thought Chris thought. When, when he saw it, Chris and I were talking about it. And we're like, oh, okay, so we got what? They were hookers or something like that? Drugs, hookers, something. No. Here's the article. Two women were arrested in Laredo, Texas, after they were caught running a beauty salon inside their homes. 
The women were arrested during an undercover sting operation by the Laredo Police Department. Officers from the Laredo Police Department were informed of activities through an anonymous tip sent to the Laredo Police Department mobile app on April 15th. The tipster informed police that the women were advertising salon services on social media. Police went on an undercover sting operation and arrested the women for offering beauty services. The cops were part of the COVID-19 task force enforcement detail. That's the boys in blue. The ones you love, the ones I love, the ones I've been cheering for and cheering on, and I still am behind this microphone. Just following orders. Two women, hungry, trying to get by, trying to pay their bills, decide to not go start robbing stores, not looting, not dealing drugs, not hooking on the corner in a skirt, decide to just start offering their services from their home so they can pay bills, and the police, like it's a cocaine bust in Miami in the 70s, went undercover to take them down? The FBI, in conjunction with the Department of Health and Human Services, is raiding a spa for giving people vitamin C? Look around you, people. Look how quickly your liberty was sacrificed without a second thought. Let me give you some very practical advice right now, and it's going to make you uncomfortable. I don't care. This is not your mommy's show. You no longer, in this day and age, have the option to not have a weapon in your home that you have trained with. Period. I don't want to care that I I didn't grow up around guns and they make me uncomfortable. I don't want to hear, uh, we've got small kids. Maybe when the kids get older, be serious. They have AK-47s fully locked and loaded in Afghanistan, leaning against the door of every home there with two-year-olds running around. Teach your kids weapon safety for Pete's sake. Get out to a range with instruction. Figure out how to use a firearm safely first. Safety always comes first. Safety for yourself Safety for your family. Teach them. Bring the kids along. It won't hurt them either. And then go to that range and begin training with your weapon. There is nobody coming to save you. There is nobody out there who won't sacrifice your liberty at the altar of following orders in a heartbeat. You do not have saviors. You do not have protectors outside of Jesus Christ. You are are, are 100% responsible for protecting yourself and protecting your family. You don't have people on your side. Or if you do, there aren't many of us. You can no longer outsource your protection. It does not work. 
because all of a sudden a virus breaks out or a war breaks out or something happens. And you know what? You look around and all the people who were carrying guns, they decide you're part of the problem. And if you haven't taken responsibility for your own protection, when the people with the guns and authority decide you're part of the problem, you eventually find yourself in quite a pickle. I know that makes you uncomfortable. I don't care. The time is now. I want you to be safe. Buy a weapon. Learn to use it safely. Train with it. Because if anything else, if nothing else, this should be a huge eye-opener for you. You're on your own. I've got an animal inside of me. This is Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. If I can soften the blow, at least a little, I'm not indicting American law enforcement for their conduct during all this. I mean, I am, but I'm not. What I'm saying is they're just like everyone else, which I guess in a way is its own indictment, especially when we spend so much time, as I have, holding people higher. I do hold them up. I do honor what they do because they wade through the muck of society every day where you and I don't. But the truth is they're not better. They're not different than anyone else throughout history. The horrible regimes throughout history that have done horrible things to their people. Well, Who do you think actually did it? How many times have you heard me sit behind this microphone and tell you stories about Ivan the Terrible and the things he's done? Or this tyrant or that tyrant? Well, sometimes those guys took part part in it, but who do you think was the actual boots on the ground most of the time? The truth is, they're not better, but they're not worse. People are all the same. And when you're a cop in Laredo and you're told that you should try to do an undercover sting on a lady who's painting nails in her home, it's just pretty much this simple. You can choose to obey that order and bust those two ladies doing nail services And keep feeding your family and paying your mortgage and paying your cell phone bill and paying your car bill. Or you can choose to say, no, I will not do this. And if you make that choice, while it's obviously the right choice, if you make that choice, job is gone. You're filing for unemployment. Maybe you have to foreclose on your home. 
on top of the fact you look around you to your left and to your right, and this is a huge factor, huge, especially if you read the accounts of the men of Reserve Police Battalion 101, the men beside you, you worry about what they're going to think of you if you say no. You do. Peer pressure, pride, what my buddies think. Again, as I soften the blow here, that's not an indictment. For better or worse, we are all guilty of it. I have told you the story before about the Marine Corps and how I was in the infantry in the Marine Corps. And I cannot stress this point enough. I was not some stud Marine. Probably consider myself below average. Yeah, I got an honorable discharge and all the promotions and all that other stuff, but I I didn't consider myself a good Marine. And I certainly wasn't some athletic stud. You know, I served with so many of them, guys who were these, you know, big-time wrestlers or soccer players or boxers, you know, these guys who were just natural athletes, strong, big, strong, fast. That was not me, especially in the beginning. I was way too thin. And when you go on a hump, for those of you who've never done it, it's what we call a hike. It is the most miserable, back-breaking thing you will ever do in your entire lifetime. You know the British SAS? Everybody, You've heard me talk about them before. The special forces up there, the ones who our Navy SEALs were modeled after. Some say the finest soldiers in the world. Do you know what their main final selection is? A long hump. Bunch of weight on your back. Do you know Delta Force? Everybody knows what Delta Force is now. Do you know one of their main qualifications? Bunch of weight on your back. Go hump through it. You feel like you're going to die. And in that moment, when you're walking, there is nothing in this world you'd rather do than stop, than just quit, than go sit on the side of the road. And I watched Marines do it, especially the younger ones. You know, the only thing that kept me from doing it, it wasn't some athletic achievement. It wasn't because I was so big and strong. I was doing fine. I wanted to die. The only thing, the only thing that kept me going was I didn't want to look like a sissy in front of my buddies. That's it. That's it. I didn't want my buddies to look down on me. And that's what all these law enforcement groups, the FBI, all of them, They go through it, too. Doesn't make them better. Doesn't make them worse. It just makes them human. We're all just human beings. When you're in the Laredo Police Department and they tell you to go undercover to bust a spa, you look to your left and right, and you don't want to be the guy who says no. And sooner or later, you're just following order. Makes me daggone sick.
jesse at jessekellyshow.com is my email address. You are welcome to email me and yell at me. I know that was a dark opening. I tried to make it. Believe me, I left out some serious details. I tried to make it, as I always do, something you can listen to with your kids. I will always strive to be that kind of show that you don't have to turn off the radio when your kids are there. I realize it was dark. We're going to move off that now. We're going to do some fun stuff and some funny stuff. We have a great Medal of Honor Monday that I need to play for you. This is not one of the fun ones. It's just one of the ones that has to be done because of something that happened over the weekend. But if you want to yell at me, that's fine. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. We're about to talk about pressure washing. We're about to talk about mating alligators. Not to get you going or anything. We need to talk about apparently this new Joe Joe Biden accuser story, which I've tried to avoid because I don't like that gunk. But look, time to have some fun. We're going to change the subject. But just remember, get to the range. You don't have an option anymore. It is very, very, very much time for you to take control of your liberty. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. You've heard me talk about Clean Phone Pro before. That really, really awesome thing that cleans your phone with the U, with 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 the lights. Um, have you ever cleaned something and then almost wished you hadn't cleaned something because of how disgusting you saw it was? <laughs> well, I did that this weekend. By the way, quick side note: somebody just wrote to me and said, "Hey, this raid on the 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 spa that was giving vitamin C." By the FBI, this this doesn't seem like it's about health. People, this stopped being about health a long time ago. How many stories from history have you heard me tell you? What's it always about? It's always about power. Always. They closed the hiking trails. In California, they actually told people that you cannot throw on a backpack with some water and a granola bar and go hike the trails in California. There's video of them busting, arresting, putting in handcuffs, people on the beach from this weekend. This is about power. This is about the people who have always wanted it finally getting their opportunity to take it. And look, like I said, about the disappointment, this is about the people on the right who gave it for, gave it to them, willingly, practically begged them to. Yes, yes, lock me down, save me, protect me. 
what? They want to keep us locked down? That's that's crazy. I never saw that coming. That's because you're an idiot. Of course they want to keep us locked down. Again, how many stories from history have you heard me tell? In how many of those stories have you seen somebody rise to power, take power, and then turn around and say, you know what? I'm done with this. I think I'm going to give some back. How many times have you ever heard me tell that story? Uh, never. Let's start there and work our way back. Because there aren't many of them. You think some mayor who can close down businesses with the snap of his fingers, you think he's excited to give that power back? And not only that, let's say we we do open back up eventually, which we'll have to at some point or we won't have a nation. Do you think they're going to be less inclined or more inclined the next time to do this again? Do you think this has been a tough experience for mayors? There's a video out this morning. I won't play it for you just because the sound is bad. It's bad radio. Bill de Blasio in New York City. You know, New York City who's been ravaged by coronavirus. New York City whose economy is wiped out. New York City who is, has some of the strictest lockdowns in the country. There's a video of him out strolling in a public park with his wife from the weekend. This is not about safety. This is not about health. This is about people in power getting off on taking away your rights. And again, just like I did last hour, I don't mean to I don't mean to put, you know, I don't mean to put a rosy face on it, but it's human nature. I'm angry about it. I'm disgusted by people on our own side who've gone along with it. All those things are true, but it's also the history of the world. I mean, I opened up the show talking about Nazis. Well, not really Nazis, actually, were they? Just normal dudes slaughtering Jews. And how we lie to ourselves, and and especially when it comes to that disgusting era, we like to tell ourselves that we are different. Those people were different. They were the devil. They were just people, man. Flesh and blood. Built the exact same way you are. 500 men standing there. 500 men told they were about to execute women and children. 500 men told by their commander they were given a pass if they didn't want to participate. And 12 stepped up and said they didn't. 12. It's human nature. All right. Now, I know this is going to be shocking, but I'm not much of a handyman, Chris. I'm not much. <laughs> Shut up. You know what? At least I don't pretend to be a handyman. And I should, full disclosure, everybody knows I work construction most of my life. It's not as if I'm completely unable. To, like I, I, I know how to handle myself. I know how to, I know how to use a hammer and wrenches and screwdrivers and sockets. And like this was my living for a while. I know how to. I know how to function. It's not like, a, what, which end of the hammer do you use? Like, I know what I'm doing. I do. I just hate it. And I mean, I hate it. I am a bad homeowner when I, remember, I have no interests. I have no hobbies. I have no soul. I have no moral compass. And part of the thing that comes with that is when I'm done working, when I'm done doing radio and TV for the week, 
I really just want to kind of screw off. I, you can call it laziness. That's probably exactly what it is. But no, I don't want to get home and spray down the baseboards. No, I don't want to go home and assemble furniture all weekend. I want to go home and turn on a World War I documentary and eat nachos. That's what I want to do. It's what I enjoy in life. So the wife, she's been all over me. She's only human. I'm just kidding. She's been all over me that we need to pressure wash the driveway. And I never really got that. And to be honest, and I understand I'm going to make myself out to be completely naive here. I've never pressure washed a driveway in my life. Chris, have you pressure washed a driveway? Once or twice, right? I'd never heard of it. And it's not its not like I've never lived in multiple homes. When I was a kid, when we moved to Montana when I was 10, we didn't have any money. So my folks would flip houses almost every year. We lived in 10 houses in 10 years. I'm not making that up. That's how we, that's part of how we got by. My old man had a good eye for real estate and he would find a good value, buy it, flip it, buy it, flip it, buy it, flip it. So I've lived, I've moved a million times, which sucks, but I've moved a million times. I've lived in a million different houses. I've never pressure washed a driveway ever. If I did, I've blotted it out from my memory. Like I have PTSD or, or something. And so she's all over me about, we need to pressure wash the driveway. We need to pressure wash the driveway. We need to make sure, let's borrow the neighbor's pressure washer. And I was really just kind of blowing her off, hoping she'd forget about it, as men do, <laughs> as we want to do. And finally, she, she, she traps me and says, all right, you need to go borrow Luis. He's my neighbor. You need to go borrow Luis's pressure washer. He knows you're coming over. So crap. All right, crap. She got me. Cruise over, gets the pressure washer. We fire it up yesterday, Sunday morning, get up, little church online, because apparently that's how we have to live our lives now, little church, then it's pressure washer time. So the boys and I, we take off outside, fire this bad boy up, and we start pressure washing the driveway. I have never been so disgusted with myself in my entire life. It looked fine to me. I mean, it's a concrete driveway. It just looked like a concrete driveway. But we put this thing down and we start, see, I do my own sound effects for the show. We start doing the pressure washer thing. It was apparently a shade of green. I'm not making this up. Uh, Now, granted, we live in swampy Houston, so it's tropical, man. It's humid and and, and algae and all, all that other scientific stuff I don't really know about was growing. But it was, you would carve a path through it with this pressure washer and see that the concrete that you just pressure washed looked bleach white. And on top of that, Chris, you want to be really grossed out? It kind of smelled. And I was thinking to myself, my gosh, this is disgusting. (laughs) Speaking of disgusting, gators are mating in the road. Hang on. The Jesse Kelly Show. This is about power, people. 
It's always about power. Now, enough of that. I have some sad news. You see, everybody knows every Monday we do Medal of Honor Monday, where I read a Medal of Honor citation. Nice little way to honor the men who we should honor. A nice way to remember there are wonderful, brave people out there capable of doing amazing things. They existed then. They exist now. And this one is a little different because I just did this one about a month ago. Maybe a little less. His name is Benny Atkins. This happened in Vietnam. And the reason I did it a month ago was Benny Atkins, I believe he was 88, that might not be right. Benny Atkins came down with coronavirus. Benny Atkins was fighting coronavirus. And awful as it is, Benny Atkins passed away from coronavirus. And I know I just read this a month ago. I'm not even the least bit sorry. We are going to read Benny Adkins' Medal of Honor citation from Vietnam again. He was a Green Beret. And just sit back and enjoy it. This man deserves a minute or two, if not more, where we honor his legacy and who he is. So, Chris, fire it up. Here we go. This is the Benny Adkins' Medal of Honor citation. Sergeant First Class Benny G. Atkins distinguished himself by acts of gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty while serving as an intelligence sergeant with Detachment A-102, 5th Special Forces Group, 1st Special Forces, during combat operations against an armed enemy camp at Shao, Republic of Vietnam, from March 9th to 12th, 1966. When the camp was attacked by a large North Vietnamese and Viet Cong force in the early morning hours, Sergeant First Class Atkins rushed through intense enemy fire and manned a mortar position, continually adjusting fire for the camp, despite incurring wounds as the mortar pit received several direct hit from enemy mortars. Upon learning that several soldiers were wounded near the center of the camp, he temporarily turned the mortar over to another soldier ran through exploding mortar rounds and dragged several comrades to safety. As the hostile fire subsided, Sergeant First Class Atkins exposed himself to sporadic sniper fire while carrying his wounded comrades to the camp dispensary. When Sergeant First Class Atkins and his group of defenders came under heavy small arms fire from members of the civilian irregular defense group that had defected to fight with the North Vietnamese, he maneuvered outside the camp to evacuate a seriously wounded American and draw fire, all the while successfully covering the rescue. When a resupply airdrop landed outside of the camp perimeter, Sergeant First Class Atkins again moved outside of the camp walls to retrieve the much needed supplies. During the early morning hours of March 10, 1966, enemy forces launched their main attack, and within two hours, Sergeant First Class Atkins was the only man firing a mortar weapon. I'm not done, people, by the way. I'm not even close to done. When all mortar rounds were expended, Sergeant First Class Atkins began placing effective recoilless rifle fire upon enemy positions. Despite receiving additional wounds from enemy rounds exploding on his position, how many times has this guy been wounded so far? He's just running around bleeding, just killing people. Sergeant First Class Atkins fought off intense waves of attacking Viet Cong. Sergeant First Class Atkins eliminated numerous insurgents with small arms fire after withdrawing to a communications bunk bunker with several soldiers. 
Running extremely low on ammunition, he returned to the mortar pit, gathered vital ammunition, and ran through intense fire back to the bunker. After being ordered to evacuate the camp, Sergeant First Class Atkins and a small group of soldiers destroyed all the signal equipment and classified documents, dug their way out of the rear of the bunker, and fought their way out of the camp. While carrying a wounded soldier to the extraction point, he learned that the last helicopter had already departed. So Sergeant Atkins laid down and died. Nope, he didn't, ladies and gentlemen. He's not done yet. Sergeant First Class Atkins led the group while evading the enemy until they were rescued by helicopter on March 12, 1966. During the 38-hour battle and 48 hours of escape and evasion, fighting with mortars, machine guns, recoilless rifles, small arms, and hand grenades, it was estimated that Sergeant First Class Atkins killed between 135 and 175 of the enemy while sustaining 18 different wounds to his body. Sergeant First Class Atkins' extraordinary heroism and selflessness above and beyond the call of duty or in keeping with the highest traditions of military service and reflect great credit upon himself, Detachment Alpha 102, 5th Special Forces Group, 1st Special Forces in the United States Army. That is a full-grown man right there, ladies and gentlemen. Rest in peace. Benny Atkins. Send out some love to his widow. I will look and see. I don't know if there is something out there. Oftentimes these things can be very, very private affairs. But if there is some way we can send best wishes to his widow, his family, and a way to honor him, I will check it out. If there is, I will put something up either on my website or definitely on my Twitter page. Uh, if you don't follow my Twitter page, it's at Jesse Kelly DC. If you don't follow the show's Twitter page where we put a ton of this stuff up there, follow that. That's at Jesse Kelly Show. That's the best way to keep up to date with our stuff. Chris puts little mini clips up every day. Any video content we discuss that I obviously can't show you because this is radio and we're look, Chris, we're bound by the we're bound to be audio slaves. <laughs> that all goes up there too. Benny Atkins, man. You know what always got me about that one? I mean, several things got me, but how often he left the camp, left the camp to go rescue this wounded guy, left the camp to go get supplies. Understand what a Vietnamese camp was like. That was your whole world. And the absolute horrifying stuff that you thought potentially waited for you outside of that wire, it paralyzed me. The things the Viet Cong would do to you if they caught you. And they did it on purpose to spread fear. But the things they would do to you if they caught you. Look, we don't need to go into it. It's been a dark enough show. To be the guy alone who's like, oh, the supplies landed outside of the camp. That sucks. I'll go get them. Oh, there's somebody wounded out there. Well, we certainly can't leave him. I'm going to go get him. He killed, he killed over a hundred dudes. What a beast. And that sucks. We lost him, man. I mean, look where our time comes. Everybody's time comes. Lord knows enough Vietnamese tried to make sure Benny Atkins time came unsuccessfully. What a stud, man. All right, Chris. 
Florida authorities warn of road rage among mating gators. This is from AP News. Shut up, Chris. I'm just reading the headlines. Around this time of year, Floridians don't just have to worry about aggressive drivers on the road. They should be on the lookout for aggressive alligators, too, according to officials who on Friday had to remove a nine-foot gator from a county road. Florida is such a strange place. And I, you know what's funny, Chris, is I love it. I love Florida. One, let me just say this. Florida is such an underrated vacation spot. You can look up. There are some beaches in Florida that if I didn't tell you where it was, you would look at that beach and you would think, oh, that's the, the Caribbean. That's in, uh, that's in Spain somewhere or something like that. They have some of the most pristine, gorgeous beaches in the world. The chicks are hot as long as they're not on drugs. But the, the wildlife, man, because of, I mean, because of the environment down there, it's nuts. You know, they have this huge python problem. Stop. Grow up, Chris. I mean, they have a, there's a, stop. What is wrong with you two? You know what? I'll tell you about the huge python problem in a minute. I'm going to talk to Buck Sexton first. You guys are immature. Jesse Kelly Show. Well, there have been very, very few people throughout this process. On our side, let's just be frank about it. There have been very few people on the right who've been willing to step up and take the arrows and say, uh, we're killing ourselves for this thing here. But my next guest is one of those people who is my friend. He's also largely, largely one of the people responsible for the reason I'm behind the microphone. So if you're miserable, he's you can blame Buck Sexton. <laughs> Anyway, joining me now is Buck Sexton of the obviously nationally syndicated Buck Sexton show. He doesn't need any introduction from me. Buck, I'm I'm looking at police raiding a salon in Laredo, Texas. Two undercover police officers did a sting operation on two ladies operating a salon out of their homes so they could pay bills. I have the FBI and a joint task force with Health and Human Services raiding a spa for giving people vitamin C. Buck, what in the world is happening? Well, first of all, Jesse, thank you for the the far too kind introduction, and it's great to talk to fine people of Texas. Uh, I, I would just say that I'm surprised that Mayor Bill De Blasio isn't a part of that task force <laughs> or didn't didn't give the order just just to, you know just to get his stats a little bit higher. Look, there's there's a very clear tendency among among government officials, and and I, I do think, and I think it's only fair that, you know, the cop that's telling somebody, hey, look, you, you got to get out of the playground. Yes, law enforcement has discretion, but law enforcement is also operating under rules and regulations that are that are given them by their superiors, right? So, so the real problem here 
is is not really so much the cops uh, in some of these cases. And this is, you know, they're still isolated in this for the most part. The real problem here is, I mean, or the bigger problem, I should say, is that uh, leadership, our, our officials, people entrusted, are, are power mad. And you've seen it coming, and I've seen it coming, and that's where this is. And there's a combination of things. you got to remember that a lot of people uh, really don't trust. A lot of people that, that are given the power over the public don't trust the public. They think that, you know, that, that being a leader uh, means that they have to tell you what to do, not that they have to give you freedom and, and uh, make sure that certain clearly defined laws and regulations that aren't onerous are, are enacted. And I think that this is, this is going to be a – this has been a wake-up for everybody – that there are stupid rules that are being enforced across the country, and this is just one of them. And and until enough people say we're not doing this anymore, it continues on. And and we're, you guys are ahead of us, thankfully. I mean, in New York, it's even worse. I mean, I I literally had somebody come up to me uh, yesterday. I was trying to go into a store for a second to grab something, and my mask, my mask. You have to have a mask on, but it wasn't covering my nose. And I'm just kind of like, well, dude, unless, unless I sneeze and snot on you, I mean, like, let's be serious here. I mean, do you worry about me catching it in my nose? Because what are we even talking about? <laughs> Explain to people what New York City is like, because obviously we, we're on a station up there, but most of our listeners are not in New York City, and therefore they can't relate because New York City has been hit hard by this thing. By far the most fatalities in the country are out of New York City. And I think, frankly, that's part of the disconnect, Buck, is – I believe the president has been influenced way too much by the fact he's from New York. His staffers are from New York. And so he's treating the nation and most politicians are like it's New York City and it's not. Well, yeah, that's been a fundamental flaw in the in the approach to this from the beginning and, and really the using the models that were at the time of New York uh, getting hit the worst by this or when, when it became clear that look, and New York has been has been absolutely uh, decimated. I mean, this is a really bad situation for for this city, but but it hasn't been anything like this in a lot of other states, and quite honestly, a lot of other states that have large metro areas too. I mean, yeah, you know, Chicago has been hit, Miami has been hit. Nothing even, you know, even when you look at it on a per capita basis, uh, New York is is the worst hit by far. And there are a few clear, you know, reasons for that. I mean, people Why? look at the pop, pop population density here. Uh, there's a lot of chatter from the very beginning. Everybody here thought the subways have been a big vector of transmission because we got a few million. I mean, the entire population of Chicago is on our subway every day in terms of personnel. I mean, it's that, that's how dense and how uh, and how frequently used it is. So, you know, you, you look at, at that and this is a very different situation for us. But other way, I mean, what Texas, I, I'm not even sure what the fatality rate is there now, right there is now, but it was under a thousand last time I checked, maybe a week ago. Um, and, you know, we're looking in New York now, we're going to be hitting uh, 15,000 fatalities real soon if we're not there already. So we've been we've been much worse hit than other places. And there was never it, it never should have been an approach to it never should have been a one size fits all approach across the country. And that's what the data now shows. But no one really cares about that data right now. You know, a few weeks ago, Jesse, the data was enough to tell guys like you and me, shut up and stay home, peasant, or else you want grandma to die. <laughs> Well, now the data suggests that a lot of states didn't need to do what New York has done. And why doesn't that matter? Why doesn't that data matter anymore? That's what I want to know. That's what drives me crazy. And even New York itself, I mean, as much as I love New York City, as you well know, Buck, it's like my favorite place in the world. 
New York is actually an entire state, and there are actually lots of parts of it that aren't New York City. I don't know if people were aware. So why does the whole state of New York even have to lock down? Because New York City's going through it. It's, it's madness. And I'll tell you, I mean, I, I have tried to avoid making this thing political because we're talking about people dying. We're talking about people losing their lives. But making it political, Buck, I am severely worried what, much more worried than I think he is or should be or at the time at this time, Donald Trump's reelection campaign. I, I don't know what's going on inside of the White House, but if we have 30 million unemployed Americans in November, Donald Trump is not going to have a second term as president. I don't know who's telling him otherwise. Yeah, well, that's when that, that's what I think, uh, the, you know, the Democrats recognize as they put forward Joe Biden, who is. Even even Democrats know I mean, a weak candidate who's too old and is confused and now has also you won't hear this from a lot of you know mainstream media publications, but now has a credible sexual assault allegation on his record too that he has yet to answer for any in any capacity. So that that's only the only way that they can get a Biden win, I think they recognize this, is just by anything but Trump becoming a rallying cry for the the small percentage of voters overall who are going to make the difference, right? I mean, I'm I'm voting for for Trump over Biden, and 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 obviously, you know, a lot of other folks listening to this are. But in the states that are going to make a difference, if things are just terrible, you just vote against things being terrible, mm-hmm. and so that's why the continued shutdown of the economy. And remember, a lot of the economic pain here is also on a time delay fuse, which I think people don't realize. You know, the first couple of weeks of of the business shutdown. A lot of places can handle that. I mean, not all, but a lot, a lot can handle that, meaning if you shut down for two weeks, you might have enough capital reserves, plus you get some government money. Okay, you open your doors again. You shut down for four weeks. No, now places are bankrupt and people are losing their jobs by the millions and millions and millions. You shut down for six weeks, you know, it just keeps snowballing. It gets worse and it gets worse. And the government uh, running its tab up higher and higher also creates its own, not just systemic financial risk, but also long-term economic drag on our kids. I mean, I don't have kids. You do, so good job. But, you know, on our kids and our grandkids' generations, uh, from from what the government's doing right now to bail everybody out. So that financial pain only gets worse over time, not just in the, like, day-to-day sense of what you can see, but in terms of what our whole economic future looks like. And that's what people can't really tell right now. And that's why this fall it might be more apparent, especially if we continue these lockdowns, uh, in more places. I know they're loosening them in some places, but that's why we need, we need to get up and running as much as we can, as safely as we can, as soon as possible. Buck, what'd you have for dinner last night? Uh, actually, I had Vietnamese food uh, oh. because there are, a hand, there are a handful of restaurants oh. here in New York City that still, that still are in, in business for takeout and delivering it. That is you know, disgusting. I, that, it was, it was, oh. I, dude, have you ever had Vietnamese food? It's amazing. Yeah, it's garbage. Absolute garbage. It's just like Thai oh. food, and I had it in Thailand. Dude. They actually had real chicken claws and stuff in there. I've never been so grossed out in my life. <laughs> Buck Sexton of the Buck Sexton Show. Go enjoy your chicken claws. I appreciate you, man. Good to talk to you, my friend. <sighs> that time delay fuse thing, Chris, that really hit me. We never did talk about Florida. I got distracted. We were talking about the huge pythons, and then everybody, then the, everything devolved. We need to talk about that. And it, look, I guess we have to address this Biden thing. I've been avoiding this thing like a feminist rally, but apparently we have to do it. Hang on.
Jesse Kelly Show. That is a really good point, Chris. We were having more high-level conversations during the break. Isn't it kind of creepy and cool that you know what the weather's going to be in five days? Isn't that weird? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Oh, Jesse, they're wrong so much of the time. Let's be honest. They're not that wrong. I mean, yeah, they'll... They'll give you an 80% chance of rain, and then it'll sprinkle a little bit. They're not that wrong. And I know because I'm tracking it all the time. Anyway, back to the, the mating gators. It's gator mating season. I love that that's part of it. That means they could be a more mobile and aggressive than usual, the sheriff's office wrote in a Facebook post. A male gator, 9 foot 2 inches, had to be removed from a roadway after it was spotted being aggressive with traffic. How exactly does that work? Sheriff's deputies captured the reptile and relocated him to an alligator farm. Wildlife officials say mating season in Florida begins in early April and could continue into June. I get aggressive too, Chris. It's just the way it is. You know what's really creepy? Well, I shouldn't say creepy, but did I ever tell you about that fishing cabin we went to here? We go to this fishing cabin. Crap, I'll get to the Joe Biden stuff in a second. I got, I'm got, i getting distracted. We go to this fishing cabin. It was just, it was nothing fancy. This was, I think it was last year, just north of the Houston area here. There's these lakes. Uh, they were called the Finger Lakes. And you, we roll in and we rent this cabin. Now, I, when I say nothing fancy, I mean really, really nothing fancy. It's a bunch of little lakes. You know, they have, it's a standard little cabin place. You can rent a kayak or something like that. You bring your fishing poles along. You you stock up on burgers and you grill out. And we had this thing booked a few months ahead of time. We show up at these lakes and we go check out our cabin and we get, we get our stuff hauled in and we're and our cabin is right on the water. And when I say right on the water, I mean, it is on the water. It's a two story cabin, even though it's very, very tiny because the the second story basically is over the water. You can fish, and we did. You fish right off the balcony into the water. You're just casting right into the water on there. And we hauled in all our stuff, and and there are alligators all over the place. And I don't mean just like a little baby alligator. There is a 12-foot alligator right in front of our cabin. If you went down to the bottom story and walked out the door, the 12-foot alligator would be four or five feet away from you, max, max. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, the Frady cat type when it comes to animals, but we have, I mean, we had and have boys, not full grown adults either. I I wouldn't necessarily want to be down there myself and I'm enormous. And so we scampered on down to the headquarters place where we rented the cabin from. And we're like, um, do you, do you know you have, Nile crocodiles out in front of the freaking cabin. And they're laughing. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's no problem. And I'm like, ha, 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 yeah, no, explain to me why it's no problem again. 
Well, you have to understand, and apparently this is the deal, Chris. I'm not even making this up. They have one of the lakes that's actually designed for swimming. They have now granted, of course, it rained on us the whole time we were there, so we couldn't do any of that. One of the lakes is designed for swimming, and there are alligators all over it. And he's like, no, you have to understand, we've been open for, and I forget how long it was, they have never had an alligator attack on a human of any time. If you even try to swim up to them, they'll swim the other way. And, of course, he throws in, well, we've had a couple small pets go missing. But other than that, <laughs> but apparently here, I don't know if it's the case in Florida because I've heard several times about people. Chris, look up how many people get eaten by alligators in Florida. Apparently here, though, that's not really the case. I guess, Mitchell, have you ever heard about someone in Texas getting eaten by an alligator? But how am I supposed to be okay with that? Especially not with my sons. And, you know, I've got the wife there, too, and you know how women are. Boys, stay inside. Bar yourself inside. But I could hardly blame her this time. It's creepy, man. It's really creepy. And back to my Python problem before we get to Joe Biden. Florida has this huge python problem. Of course, this is the most Florida thing in the world. People buy pythons as pets, which is weird. I mean, people do that all over the country, though. But they don't want them anymore. And they get too big. And it's creepy. Like, a python will kill you. Or there have been these heartbreaking stories about a python, someone owning a pet python with kids, and it'll get out of its cage and, you know, kill the kid in the middle of the night. Something, I mean, just like the worst thing you could imagine. Well, these pythons get too big and people don't want to feed them anymore or deal with it. And they turn them loose in the wild. And enough people have done this. And the Florida environment is clearly python environment. It's not like they're going to die out there in the wild. They're mating. And they're taking over. That's right. They're mating, Chris. They're, and they're taking over the wild because they don't have a ton of natural predators. In fact, I don't think they have any. Even a python will eat an alligator if it's not too big. A python can kill anything. You've seen those sweet internet videos before of like a a python killing a jaguar and stuff like that. A python will take down anything. And so the the state itself is being overrun. They have like shows on a history channel or something called Python Hunters where they have to go around. Of course, they don't kill them because that's the world we live in now. All right, I'll get to this Biden stuff, and this is a this is a doozy. Disappointing stat, Chris. Now, I should reframe. Chris basically, he looked it up, and there have only been 24 fatal alligator attacks in Florida since 1973. When I said it's disappointing, I didn't mean I want anybody attacked by an alligator. I'm not saying that. I just thought that there were a lot more than that. I thought they were ravaging the place. I bet uh, you know you know for a fact a lot more people have been killed by dogs than them. Don't dogs? I think dogs kill the second most people of any animal in America every year. And number one, you know what number one is, Chris? Deer. People run into deer and they hit them, and the deer go through the windshield and kill people. 
I had a deer run into me once. No one ever believes me. My old man didn't believe me either. I'm telling you, I had a deer run into me once. So, of course, it had to happen. Crap, we're almost out of time. All right, I'm going to tell this story in a second. If you want to email me, you can. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. That's jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I'm going to tell my deer story. And then I am going to get to this Biden stuff. I promise. Yeah, I am, Chris. Shut up. Hang on a second. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. All right, just a quick story, Chris, because we have to talk about the Biden thing. We have to talk about supply chains. We have important stuff. But, of course, this happens to me when I borrow my dad's truck. This is in Montana. I'm 16 or 17 years old. I borrow his truck, and I'm driving it back home, getting pretty close to the house. Now, a lot of you who live in rural areas will get this. I hate that word, Chris. Why do I struggle saying rural? So I can't. T- Can you say it? I can't say it at all. I'm not going to stop, though. So I'm in in rural areas. If you're in a rural area, you will understand how dangerous deer can be. Remember, I just told you they kill more people than anyone else by cars running into them. They're everywhere. There's swarms of them. And in Montana, I mean everywhere. It is not in any way uncommon for you to wake up in town and have deer in your front lawn eating your grass. It's just part of life. And you learn to watch out for them. You learn to pay attention on the road. And I'm driving home, dad's truck. I have to stop. There's deer crossing. So I stop and let them all cross. It's not a big deal. They cross. I take off. You know, I'm, and I'm not flying. I'm cruising. And I see another one run right up to my passenger side because they were crossing from my passenger side to my driver's side. And one cruises right up beside me. And I stop, and he stops. So he's still like at my passenger side door because I stop. I want him to go by. I don't want to. I don't want to hit him. I'm thinking, oh gosh, okay, he's stopping. All right, I'll just gas it, and I gas it, and he takes off with me again. And then I, I, the deer is clearly just scared out of its mind and confused. So finally, this moron just decides to pull the trigger and just hooks a left, and boom headbutts the passenger side door, and I mean headbutts it hard. I'm like, dude. And I get home, and I tell the old man, I'm like, Dad, a deer hit your truck. And my dad, of course, is not going to believe me, nor would I have believed me either. He's like, oh, sell that somewhere else, boy. You hit a deer because you weren't paying attention. I'm like, Dad, no, I swear on my life, a deer hit me. A deer did not hit you. You hit a deer. And I had to take him out in the garage and show him. How could I possibly run into a deer with your passenger side door? A deer hit me. And he believed me. Now, Joe Biden. There's a new video out for Biden, which I'll play you in a second with his wife. But first, 
Chris put together a little Biden compilation this morning, and I want you to understand this. Obviously, we have clipped these things together, created a new Joe Biden campaign ad, and understand these are all within the last year. This is potential President Pudding Brain. Welcome, everybody, to the 2020 election, where you have esteemed Democrat candidate Joe Biden facing off against the orange man. And with a wordsmith like Joe Biden, you can't miss. I mean, just listen to our future leader. Because they invaded another country and annexed a significant portion of it called Crimea. He's saying that it was President, my boss, it's his fault. You know, I, when I left the United States Senate, I became a professor at the University of Pennsylvania. I'm putting pressure on China in order to be, for them to make sure that it is a non, it is a nuclear-free peninsula. And the way we do that is we make clear to China, which I have done personally with, with, uh, with uh, the president of China. Look, tomorrow's Super Thursday, Tuesday, and I want to thank you all I tell you what, I'm rushing ahead, aren't I? We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go, you know the you know the thing. If you agree with me, go to Joe 30330 and help me in this fight. My name's Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. Look me over. If you like what you see, help out. If not, vote for the other by give me a look though, okay? You get him, Joe. And just remember, a vote for Joe is a vote for America. (laughs) Uh, It's getting bad. And I don't know what people are thinking. I just think that it's so easy to fall into bubble thinking. And to see the world through your own little bubble. Because Joe Biden and his wife Jill have chosen to put out a video. It's an internet video. And Joe's standing there with her. And it's about 40 seconds long. And she does all the talking. And he's standing there. He looks confused. He looks terrible. If you're the Biden campaign, and the optics of Joe Biden, especially over the last year, they're, look, let's put this in very frankly, they're not good. People think he has dementia or Alzheimer's or it's just senile. People think Joe Biden is degenerating. I don't know how you can watch him and think anything else. Either way, a lot of people think that that's mainstream thought now. That's not some fringe. Oh, it's a fringe right conspiracy theory. People can see it. Okay. So if that's what you're fighting, if you're fighting against that perception that he is the weekend at Bernie's candidate who's being held up as he's half dead so he can, you know, so Democrats can have the presidency. How in the world, how in the world do you put out this video where Jill Biden does all of the talking? And together, we're just getting started. This moment reminds us that the presidency is about true leadership, having the forethought to prepare for the worst, the backbone to lead through chaos, the character to move beyond politics and serve every American, no matter where they live or what they believe. Only one 
candidate in this election has all three. My husband, our next president of the United States, Joe Biden. And he Buddy, I don't care how woke you're trying to be. I don't care how progressive you're trying to be. I don't care about all your, you know, feminist supporters. I'm woman, hear me roar. Brother, you are running to be the commander-in-chief of the United States of America. People think you are mentally not up to the job. Tell your wife to pipe down and go away, and you stand there and speak to the camera. That looked and sounded awful. Awful. If you're on that campaign, how can you not see how bad the optics of that are? Oh, and did I mention he's facing what appears to be a significant scandal now? You know I've ignored this most of the time, and you'll see this throughout my show. I do not generally address these rumors and accusations of this and that for various reasons. One, I'm one of about three people in America who's a big believer in due process and privacy and I, I just I'm a believer in it even with people I hate this person accused that person did you don't know what where's the trial give me give me charges give me witnesses give me I hate and I know I'm in the minority here I hate that we publish mugshots of people who've been arrested for crimes how's that justified what if he's innocent you just blasted the dude's face and name all over the place and everyone thinks He's guilty? That's not right. That's not due process. So that's a big part of it. I don't believe in it. So I don't do that kind of radio. Oh, these rumors are here. This rumor is there. On top of the fact, nobody's perfect. Everybody has ugly stuff there. So in general, I don't, I just don't talk about that stuff. Unless, unless the president is doing lines of cocaine off the resolute desk on camera, I'm, it's just generally not my thing. Plus, I most of the time don't care. I think they're all scumbags, publicly and privately. So I'm not surprised. But this thing has gotten so big now, I've got to talk about it here briefly. Joe Biden's got a, got a problem on his hands. Remember this before I go into this whole fiasco. Joe Biden. I know you're going to yell. Joe Biden is winning right now. Trust me. You do not want this election to happen today. 30 million people are out of work. Donald Trump won the last election by 50,000 votes. Total. Spread across the swing states. You forget how razor thin the margins were in these swing states. That's just a fact. I voted for Trump before. I'm going to happily vote for him again. We cannot have President Pudding Grain right now. We can't. 
It just doesn't. He's not able to function. We can't have it. But when you have 30 million, and it's more than 30 million, I'm being kind. When you have 30 million people unemployed, you're going to have what we have now. And that's Donald Trump getting slaughtered in the polls by Joe Biden in the swing states. You can yell and scream, the polls are always wrong. Buddy, they're wrong. They're not that wrong. Joe Biden is winning this election right now. Relatively non-political people. Those are the ones who actually decide elections, not you and not me. I know we hate hearing that. We all like to think we're more important than we are. But relatively non-political people, that's who actually decides elections. People who voted for Obama twice and then turned around and voted for Donald Trump. How in the world you could vote for Barack Obama twice and then vote for Donald Trump, I will never know. You're just somebody who doesn't, I, I don't know. I don't even, I don't know how to explain that person, but I do know this. That person votes with their pocketbook a lot. That means you don't necessarily have a firm footing on what you believe politically. But look, you're relatively non-political. You voted for Obama a couple times, voted for Trump. I don't love Trump's Twitter account, but hey, man, I'm, I mean, I'm working again. Life's good. Got jobs everywhere. It's, it's all right. I think I'll go ahead and vote for Trump again. I don't love it, but I don't love Biden either. Whatever. That's, that, that's how that person votes. Or, well, I, I voted for Obama a couple times. I voted for Trump last time and... I haven't had work in three months. Screw Trump. I'm going to vote Biden. Don't get mad at me. I'm not saying that. That's how those people are going to vote. And if you think 30 million doesn't risk 50,000 switching sides, you're insane. So let's just be clear. Joe Biden, if the election were held today, is president of the United States of America. He is. That is frightening. But that's the, that's the reality. Joe Biden also, Buck Sexton brought it up earlier. He has this sexual assault allegation. And it's looking more and more legit by the day. Apparently back in 1993, Larry King featured an anonymous caller who was later identified as this accuser Tara Reid's mom. And she describes the fact that her daughter got assaulted by somebody important, and it turns out it's Joe Biden. And CNN, of course, because it's CNN, they removed the clip from Google. You know what? Here, listen to the Larry King. A couple more phone calls on this very important topic. Our guests are former United States Senator Howard Baker, Richard Allen, former National Security Advisor, and Lois Romano of the Washington Post. San Luis Obispo, California. Hello. Yes, hello. Um, I'm wondering what um, uh, a, a staffer uh, would do, do besides go to the press in Washington. My daughter has just left there uh, after working for a prominent senator and could not get through with her problems at all. And the only thing she could have done was go to the press, and she chose not to do it out of respect for him. Or she had a story to tell, but out of respect for the person she worked for, she didn't tell it. That's true. Well, now, but these are the people who do come to the Lois Romanos, right? The mm -hmm. staff worker who says, I want to let you know about what's going this on, either going with my boss or troubled. the guy down the hall. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. a lot of these people have a sense of obligation. They feel that this public official should be accountable if it's something wrong. They're whistleblowers to the press. Exactly.
That's a big deal. That's that's a witness. That's somebody who called in at the time. This is not apparently just some accuser who came out of the woodwork because Joe Biden's running for president, which is another reason I choose not to address a lot of these things lots of the time because the timing is just a little too convenient for me. I know you can say I'm a bad person, but I just don't believe anyone. I don't believe the uh, half time. I don't believe the accuser. I don't believe the per, I don't believe the person who denies it. I don't believe anyone. I just ignore it. So that's why I don't touch it. But that got really legitimate, right? You have the call. CNN covers it up. Joe Biden hasn't been asked about this. He's out there doing interviews all the time. Joe Biden hasn't been asked about this. How is that humanly possible? I mean, we all remember what happened to Kavanaugh, right? We all remember that? I believe all women apparently went out the window really fast. And what a look this is for CNN. How in the world... I don't care how leftist you are. I get it. You're, you're, you're a Democrat news organization. I get it. Look, I'm a right-wing hack. I admit that. But how in the world do you do that? Do you go back and yank an old TV program people were viewing because it makes Joe Biden look bad? And how is Joe Biden going to address this? Look, he may have dodged questions on it so far. But how is he going to address this? He can't speak. He can't get through an interview with basic talking points. And I don't know if you've seen the visual of him giving these interviews is more damaging than just the audio because he's very, very, very clearly at one point they got him a teleprompter or note cards beside his camera because you can see and whoever did it, they did it really stupidly. I do TV. Now I don't have... I don't have a teleprompter, but sometimes Mitchell will have to hold like a, an ad or something up beside the camera. So I plug the right website or something like that. Otherwise, I just do all my stuff off the cuff. But you have to hold it close enough to the camera where it looks like you're still looking in the camera lens. If you see if you see a, a like a professional studio, I've been in Fox News studios and things like that before and CNN's actually. The, the teleprompter is actually right underneath. It's attached to the same camera. It's professionally done, so you know you need to use it, leave it close. Joe Biden's staffers weren't even smart enough to leave it close, and he's clearly looking to the side of the camera as, he's, as he reads the note cards. And they decided that was a bad look. And now they've, they've, they've started printing him note cards that are in front of him. And he's looking down, reading talking points, and he can't even get them read. That's that's his level of functionality. And now he's going to have to address credible sexual assault allegations? How is he going to do that? Explain to me what the strategy is. Those are difficult to address when you're coherent. When you're Joe Biden... How in the name of everything is he going to address these things? I have no idea. But this is about to be a big deal. It's about to be a really big deal. You know what else is a big deal? Kim Jong-un's sister. We still don't know if Kim Jong-un is alive or dead. We're now hearing he's safe. 
We've heard he's been dead like three times over the past week, and then they come out and say he's safe. It's very weird, and it's a creepy police state, so you don't know what's happening. But it's time to talk about this, Chris. If his sister, Kim Yo-jong, takes over, is she kind of hot? Chris, do you think she's kind of hot? Kim Yo Jong, she is, right? Now, don't get me wrong. I've, I've saw, there's a picture out there of her without makeup on, which is a huge mistake. That she needs to she needs to not do that. She's not that hot. But the truth is, kind of hot. How do you let yourself go without makeup, though, if you're the leader or the potential leader of North Korea? You know what that is, Chris? That's bubble thinking. Everybody's too worried about getting fed to the dogs around her, so nobody's like, hey, some lipstick wouldn't kill you, lady. You know him, right? It's, uh, who's going to risk that? Hey, uh, little blush, huh? <laughs> I mean, granted, look, she's a murderous evil witch. She is apparently an evil witch, from what they say. You don't always know. But let's just say if this woman is taking over, that's really not going to be good for the people of North Korea. And have you ever – you know what? I need to do a, a segment on this once. Have you ever found out, Chris, about the concentration camps in North Korea? Hundreds of thousands of people, and it is horrific, man. They are – and this is not – again, how much do we talk about history and all the other stuff? This is happening right now. They have those poor freaking people starving them to death. Apparently, it's so bad they make a living, you know, stealing from each other. It's mm. whatever. Mexican drug smugglers feel pandemic pain just like any other business. <laughs> it's from the Washington Examiner. <laughs> um, so anyway, apparently the cartels. Apparently, the cartels, they're hurting here. Sheriffs in southern border states say the billion-dollar business of drug smuggling is being rocked by the perfect storm of unfavorable conditions, potentially spurring higher prices in the United States as supplies dry up. They're not making drugs? What? Residents from South America up through Mexico have been locked down under stay-at-home orders in a similar fashion as people in the U.S., making it harder for the cartels to transport drugs to the U.S. southern border. Oh, that's wild. I did not realize that. So so they're, the drug mules are having to stay? <laughs> what, a, what a world, man. What a world. All right, let's go to Liz Wheeler. My buddy Liz Wheeler, host of Tipping Point on OAN. Liz. 
I am worried, not to make it only political. Did we drop her, Chris? You know, we'll we'll just get her. We'll just get her next segment. Don't worry about it. Uh, that's a funny, funny outcome for the coronavirus outbreak. They're locking down the southern states, the southern countries. El Salvador is. I don't think people understand exactly what El Salvador is and how bad El Salvador is. It's really, 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 really bad. It is so violent there. It's where that MS-13 gang comes from. Everybody's heard of MS-13. And these guys, they tattoo the devil on their body. They, A lot of them worship, and I know this is big in the cartels too, and it's hard for us to wrap our minds around because this is such a separate world. They worship some, I don't know if they consider it a god of death, but a saint of death. Mitchell, have you heard about this before? It's really creepy. What is the name of that saint, Chris? Okay, it is a saint, not a god. I think it's De Muerta, something something De Muerta. I know they worship it, but you, you have to understand how violent these people are. How truly violent. Violent. I have a buddy who used to work for Border Patrol. He doesn't. He's over here now. But he used to work for Border Patrol all the time. And they would, I mean, these Border Patrol guys, what they do on the southern borders is they hunt. He said, that's what we're doing. We're hunting. We're hunting human beings. They're hunting them with drones. They're on horseback. They're in cars. They're on four-wheelers. They're finding them. They're tracking people. They're They're hunting. And every day, that's what they would do. They would go out and they'd round up people coming in illegally and so on. He said they would know the MS-13 guys the second they saw them. And the second you knew you had MS-13 guys, you had to call in backup and have extra precautions. Because for the most part, he said the illegals they would bust, they know when they're busted and they're pretty compliant. You know, they just stop and sit down. And let's be honest, it's America. You'd be lucky if you actually get deported anyway. It's going to sit down and go get a hot meal and work it all out. The MS-13 guys would kill you in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. And they're here. It's one of the great things Trump has done is focus on getting those people out of the country. They were really hammering on the MS-13 guys. Now, I don't know if this whole thing is screwing all that up, but still. Pennsylvania forced to remove hundreds of deaths from the coronavirus death count after coroners raised red flags. The PA Health Department decided to include probable coronavirus deaths or an assumed COVID-19 related death without testing for the virus to their death toll dating back days and even weeks. But the death toll spike raised questions from coroners who came forward to highlight a discrepancy. This is no different than that exact same story we talked about last week when New York City added 3,700 people that were already dead to their coronavirus death tolls without testing them. And that's part of what's made tackling this entire thing so difficult is as soon as Congress got involved, And as soon as social media began to make people famous, it pays to be a victim here. It it physically, it, it actually, monetarily, it pays to have coronavirus patients. You think there isn't some incentive from the feds if you have coronavirus patients? Let's say somebody dies of pneumonia. 
What do you think pays more? We now know that medi- we know this. Medicare patients that have coronavirus, they pay out more because of the feds. And now you see all these videos, and it's become controversial. But all these videos that of nurses doing some, you know, some dance routine in the hallway, and it's all over the internet. If you're on social media in any way, you've seen these things. And people, some people are mad about it. Oh, just do your job. And other people are, are saying, hey, they're blowing off some steam. Whatever the case may be, I actually don't feel one way or the other about it, but I know this. It's good for fame. It's good for social media clout. If you're in a nurse's uniform right now, you're the you're the the hero du jour. That's what you are. You're you're the Navy SEAL after the Osama bin Laden killing. That's who you are. You're a celebrity. And people they do not turn down celebrity. I don't know what it is about it. I don't understand why it's so appealing for people. Uh, It's not something I ever sought. I find it to be so strange. Now, I don't mind talking to anybody when they come up to me. I've met met endless people. I don't mind it at all. So I'm not saying don't do that. I'm not saying avoid me. But I've always thought it was so strange. Uh, Jesse, can I get a picture with you? I mean, yeah, you can. It doesn't bother me in the least. You're more than welcome to. Happy to talk to people. I enjoy making somebody's day. Totally cool. But I thought that was odd. The people want to be famous, man. They want to be famous and they want to get paid. And so it's made it nearly impossible to sort through all the bad information out there. Truth is, if you're a state, it pays to bump up those numbers. And when the country is setting policy based on those numbers and you're pumping them up falsely, that's a big deal. And if you think Pennsylvania is the only one doing that, I got some oceanfront property in Arizona for you. Is my friend Liz Wheeler. She's the host of Tipping Point on One American News. Liz, before we get to all the other garbage we have to unpack at the moment here, I'm obviously catching a ton of heat for the fact that I say Joe Biden is about to be president of the United States if we have 30 million unemployed people. As much as that sucks, I think it's true. Am I crazy? Um, well, whether you're crazy and whether you're right are two different questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, so I'll let you infer the answer to the first question. Are you right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. Not at this point. I know that it's everything's about the economy, stupid. At the same time, if you look at the polling numbers, sadly, a large majority of our country are still buying into this uh, lockdown stuff, particularly the swing voters who... Uh, actually make the decisions in the elections. A lot of people, probably like you and I, don't like how President Trump is handling this crisis, but it's not going to prevent us from voting for him. That's true. I mean, look, I've, I've, I've told everybody where I'm voting. It's not exactly some mystery. 
this, none of the numbers add up. And I feel like I'm in no. the twilight zone when I look at this whole thing. Obviously, it's a deadly pandemic, but we were promised millions. We haven't gotten it. People are now doubling down on their lockdowns instead of opening up. The Republican governor of Georgia tries to open up. The president kneecaps him. I don't I don't understand how the American people begged for this so quickly. That's what's driving me crazy. It's not that it happened. It's that the American people begged for it. Yeah, I mean, the, why the politicians are acting the way that they're acting is easy to explain. Unfortunately, politicians care more about their own political longevity than they do about the good of their constituents. This is what would have to happen, Jesse, for them to change their mind and see the light or follow the science, the data that you and I talk about on our shows every day. They would have to literally get up in front of the people who vote them into office and say, look around you. You're members of your family your friends, maybe even your spouse or yourself, you've lost your jobs. Your life savings are dwindling. Your livelihood has been, you know, completely decapitated. There's economic devastation. We're, we're driving at 100 miles an hour towards economic devastation. I did that to you, these politicians would have to say to voters. And I'm here to tell you today, I was wrong. I overreacted out of fear and panic. Those numbers were never the case. We're not going to face doomsday. But, you know, better safe than sorry, right? Have a nice life. No politician, no matter what party they're in, is ever, ever, ever going to do that. So their option, if they want to continue to hold their seat, is to just keep barreling ahead and hope people don't catch on. Liz, is that smart politics? Don't you think it now? I don't pretend like I'm an average voter. I should fully disclose that. Everybody knows that. But I would love that. Republican or Democrat, I would love if a politician stood up and said, hey, I blew this one. I'm sorry. We're going to get it right. We're going to get it fixed. Why is that a bad thing? That's appealing to me. It's appealing to me as well. But you have to think of it from the perspective of politician. One of the hardest things in life, I mean, human nature makes it difficult for us to admit that we're wrong. Anybody who's married knows that. You can't you can't get away from that. That's an that's an impossibly difficult thing to stand up and say, listen, in our political in our in the political history of the United States of America, there were perhaps five other monstrosity decisions that were inflicted, self-inflicted on the people by our own representatives. And I'd like to now put my name in the history book next to those people. I mean, that's an incredibly difficult thing. Unfortunately, I mean, it just speaks to the weakness of human nature. I'm just looking at this from hopefully in a, a you know, a 20 from 20 feet away, a perspective that's a little distant from the decisions, asking myself, why aren't they following the science? How did we go from social distance for two weeks so that we don't overwhelm our hospitals to social distance until 2022 until there's a vaccine? And that's the only thing I can come up with because the science at this point and the data is very clear. Liz, I'm very concerned, in fact, angry about the things I'm seeing from law enforcement. Everybody knows, obviously, it's not a secret how pro-law enforcement I have been. But I see undercover sting operations in Laredo to bust two women trying to run a salon out of their home. They're arresting people going to the beach. They arrested a pastor for doing church, a father playing softball in the park with his kids. I think we're going to come out the back end of this in public trust and law enforcement is going to be at an all-time low. I, I don't disagree with you. I think that's correct. I think it's a shame because many of these police officers, while there are, of course, a few bad apples who like to, or who are power hungry and like to abuse their power, most of them are just doing their job. They're in a position where the laws they enforce, they didn't create the laws. They're not endorsing the laws. It's simply their job to enforce it. So I think that's a shame because the majority of police officers, I don't think, agree with what they're having to do. I actually got kicked out of the park this weekend by police. Um, <laughs> I was I I you know, walk to a park that's, you know, a mile from my house uh, because I don't have a yard 
and I needed to get outdoors as everyone does was sitting in the park. It was, I, uh, I kid you not when I say 150 feet, at least 50 yards away from anybody else, just sitting there in the sun. It's 85 degrees here. And the police on a four wheeler came up after I'd been there for about five minutes and said, Hey, you're not allowed to be sitting in the park. And I, I kind of looked around because there were a lot of other people in the park. And I was like, He's like, the police officer said, you're only allowed to be here if you're exercising. So I kind of like motioned to a woman across the park. And I was like, so she's allowed to be over there on her yoga mat doing yoga, but I'm not allowed to sit here on my, on my towel. Oh. And he goes, yup. And I was like, oh, that's dumb. And he goes, yeah. So it gave me a little sympathy for what he had to do. I wasn't trying to be specifically rude to him. It's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, all the studies show that sunlight kills the virus. Um, outside yeah. transmission, according to the Taiwan CDC and German studies, the risk of that is extremely low. Plus, I don't know what they expect anyway for me to pass a virus that I don't have or to just magically float 150 feet and infect someone sitting yeah. away from me. It's insane. Yeah, sunlight kills the virus, so let's order everyone inside. Liz Wheeler yeah. of What American News. Watch her show, Tipping Point. I catch it every single night. I appreciate you very much, Liz. Thank you. Everyone get inside because the sunlight kills the virus. That's the geniuses we're being led by in this country. I'm thinking about tacos, Chris. There's this taco place here, Torchy's Tacos. I think it's national now. I, th- I think they started as a food truck in Austin, and Austin's like one of the biggest food cities and food truck cities in the world now. These Torchies tacos, they do the authentic Mexican tacos and put a piece of fried chicken in there. <laughs> it's so good. All right. If you missed any part of the show, remember the beginning was a little dark, very dark, but it was true. The whole show will be available on iHeart, on Google, on Spotify, on Apple. If you want to get a hold of me for any reason, I read every single email. I will not respond most of the time because I get too many of them. But you can email me, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. That's jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Chris is the one who reads them first, so if you badmouth Chris, he's going to know it. Y'all be safe. Download the podcast. We will do this again tomorrow. We'll have some more fun. Got a little cool history story already planned for you, by the way. Yeah. That's all. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. 
you need to trust Northwest retention systems because it's all custom made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.